Hey, what's going on, my friend? Welcome back to another episode of Dear Heart and the Brain podcast. This podcast is where I talk to you about fitness and nutrition, peak performance, and a wide range of topics about what we already know in human psychology. I'm your host, Jess Wong, and I'm very thrilled to have you on today. As always, the primary goal of my podcast is to provide science-backed understanding to help you get to the next level of your fitness journey, of your career, school life, business, relationships, future mission, and even the way that you perceive yourself. In today's Sunday episode, I wanted to take a deep dive into a topic that we all know about, what stress does to our brains and bodies. Last week, we talked about the strategies to mitigate burnout, and today, I want us to explore the neurobiological effects of stress on both the body function as well as the structure of the adolescent brain, right? And oftentimes, we may experience some unwanted feelings such as anger, annoyance, or sadness, and we try our best to push it out of our awareness. And in this effort to play a whack-a-mole with these unwanted experiences, we bottle them up as a form of denial or oppression so that they can be driven out of our consciousness instead of us actually addressing it, actually processing it, and actually releasing these unwanted feelings in healthy ways, right? And to deny our emotional experiences is to keep ourselves in that perpetual state of internal challenge. Therefore, the more distance that you create from your emotional experiences, the more you get out of sync, out of connection, out of alignment of your true self. So, where do these bottled up feelings actually go? Like, where's the bottle, right? And you may have heard of these lines, such as, oh, my manager is such a absolute pain in the neck, or my blank gives me a huge headache, or my other blank makes me feel sick to my stomach. You've probably heard about how stress is stored in our body as a way for psychological symptoms to manifest in in terms of our body somatically and there are several patterns in psychodynamics where these mysterious aches and pains of our body are the subsequent result of our body's reactions to the stress that we encounter right some folks may experience a tension in their lower back and their tummy and their chest and other folks may experience a tension in the form of headaches shoulder pain neck pain and even fatigue or insomnia and one thing i wanted to mention before you actually get started is about our current society today There's this culture of glamorizing, being stressed, being overworked, as if it's cool to be buried in mountains and work in stress. And this suffering mentality was something that was subconsciously planted in my head too, back when I was around 14 or 15, freshman or sophomore year of high school, I would say. And I would be really relatable with other peers because I would be overwhelmed, sleep deprived, procrastinating so that mountain of work never gets done so i can forever wear that badge of honor in a way right these are all subconscious things that weren't in my awareness then but it took me until i turned 19 to see how these mentally unhealthy patterns was actually a very deadly thing and it does not require deep pain it does not require chronic stress to be successful right i want you to keep replaying what i just said it does not require deep pain and chronic stress to be successful. There are several paths to the finish line. And today, I strongly believe that that talking out the healthy solutions and getting ways to find treatment for those distorted cognitive beliefs is the most efficient way to go. 
And when I really deep dived into high performance when I was around 19, I had these massive mindset shifts resulting in what today is something I see that suffer mentality is not something to be really proud of, right? As my social circles have changed over time, the people around me now are people who are also action takers, who take the route that is most economical economical and healthiest while still being successful and exponentially growing, right? We need to stop glamorizing overworking, please. This absence of sleep, this absence of a good diet, absence of exercise, absence of relaxation and time with friends and family is not something that needs to be continued to be applauded for, right? Too many people are encouraged to wear their burnout and chronic stress as a badge of honor and it needs to change. And this is definitely another topic for next time. So for the rest of the episode, I'm going to be sharing with you some amazing neurological and physiological research that has been done regarding the impact of stress on bodily function as well as the human brain. Okay. So first, let's start off with the brain. But let's define what stress means in science. In science, they call stress as they define it as any intrinsic or extrinsic stimulus that evokes a biological response. Okay. And in neurobiology, form always follows function. In any biology in general, that's the that's the thing. Form always follows function. So that means that any structure of your brain drives the function of it. Any structure of the organ will drive the function of it. And we must understand how stress-induced structural alterations during adolescence in turn influence the psychological function, function, function as well as the neurodevelopment. And there are three major brain regions that are highly sensitive to stress. So that's the amygdala, the hippocampus, and the prefrontal cortex, right? We know that the amygdala, this is a huge thing for, for fear learning, for reward, for aggression, for aggression. And the amygdala is tricky when it comes to the impact of stress because our sex modulates the adolescent maturation of the brain region. So those sex hormones influence that developmental process, right? Stress-induced changes may be dependent on the type of stressor that the person is experiencing, right? It could either be like a chronic or strain or social isolation as these both lead to different neurological outcomes in the amygdala okay and we talk about the hippocampus we know that this is where learning and memory and emotional function and stress reactivity happens there is a study in adult rats who are shown to have significant dendritic atrophy so um death right in cells of the Hippocampus after chronic stress or prolonged exposure to high levels of glucocorticoids. And glucocorticoids is a hormone that is stimulated upon introduced stress. And lastly, we're going to talk about the PFC, right? Prefrontal cortex. This is what regulates emotional behaviors. This is the attention set shifting. This is the executive functioning place, right? There are protein markers of synaptic plasticity that have shown significant reductions in the prefrontal cortex in response to social isolation as a stressor early in adolescent development, right? There are several neurodevelopmental diseases and, and conditions that are related to the prefrontal cortex neural circuiting, right? It gets a little bit complicated there, so I'm going to, to tell you that there's absolutely no doubt that stress impacts both the structure and, and function of the brain. But I want to give you an analogy really quickly. So let's imagine that we're playing hopscotch again, like we're in elementary school, and you jump from square one with your one leg and right into square five in your other leg. And after that breakthrough, you continue to progress your skills in hopscotch. However, one day you decided to jump from square one to square 10 in one hop. And as a nine-year-old, your jump stride was 
not long enough to reach square 10 and you fell on your knees hurting. And in this very analogy, I want to demonstrate to you that studies have been shown that stress does not always result into a negative impact on our neuronal wiring. And only if it's that stress that we talked about the first example, where it can push you to the next level, like you're jumping from square one to square five, okay? Stress can even improve memory in special conditions that include imposed stimulations of non-familiarity or non-predictability. And in those situations, stress can sharpen our memory. Let's talk about glucocorticoids again, right? I, I mentioned that, how those are the hormones secreted after stress stimulation. These glucocorticoids are actually what is needed to improve learning and memory. And in the scenario where you, as a nine-year-old, jump from square one to ten, that was where the intensity of the stress passed beyond a predetermined threshold, which is different for everyone, that will cause cognitive distress as it gets prolonged, right? And in summary, the adverse effects of stress on cognition are very diverse and is highly individualized. So it depends on the type, the timing, the intensity, intensity, and the duration. And I'm going to end the episode just briefly glossing over the physiological symptoms that get impacted of the stress, okay? With chronic stress, our immune system secretes these critical hormones and that gets modified, which is why it is more likely that we get sick when we're really stressed. Cardiovascularly, stress causes the autonomic nervous system to activate as well as vasodilation in our arteries and decreased sodium excretion by our kidneys. And lastly, our GI tract, right? That also gets impacted by stress as the absorption process, the intentional permeability and 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 GI inflammation, all of these things are also impacted. If you're familiar with the inflammatory condition of Crohn's disease, you know that this condition is associated with childhood stress, right? Anyway, that's all I have for you in our What Does Stress Do To Us Physiologically and Neurologically podcast. If you got a gold nugget from this, Episode DM me, a push of Jess, what you learned, and I'll be happy to share it. If you're looking at one-on-one coaching in any of areas of fitness, nutrition, lifestyle performance, please DM me the word hustler on my Instagram to book a strategy session so we can jump on a call to see if I can actually help you out. Stay tuned for the next few episodes of this awesome podcast that gets released every Thursday and Sunday of the week. But other than that, I'm going to leave you the same way I leave you in every single one of the Dear Heart and the Brain episodes. Keep that brain sharp, keep that heart healthy, and go dominate.